Uh, I just have a quick message for you this Sunday. Again, thank you so much, all the parents, for all the work with your kids and whatnot. And, you know, exciting things, as I mentioned before, we've got Kids Club happening January 10th, uh, you know, at, from 6 to 7.30. Sign your kids up. It's going to be from age 0 to grade 5. And also our alpha parent, alpha marriage. No, alpha parenting. I was right. And so I'm not sure why it's, I'm struggling with that today. But alpha parenting is happening. Uh, that's same day, same time. And so sign up to come to that too. Uh, it is for both single parents uh, and married, um, married couples. And so you're free to come to, in, to learn more, to grow more. And so now, kids, they're off. Thank you, Calum. And then we're just going to have a short message with in regards to that verse that Caleb just read uh, just for us right now. And so we've been going through the names uh, given to Jesus around the Christmas story, which are showing who this child uh, was to be to us. And today we're looking at Emmanuel, God with us. And there are many things that make uh, a parent successful in raising their kids, right? There are books with lists of what fathers and mothers are meant to be and to do for their kids. Uh, and the one thing that always seems to be talked about in every book and seems to be the main thing that is brought up is the power of presence, of the parents being there for their kids. And there is something about being there for your kids that brings them much uh, comfort uh, and everything that they need in that moment. Uh, and this story, it, it rings true in my life too. Uh, Jude, every day he asked me, Dad, are you going to work today? And when I say yes, it's usually accompanied with a groan. He's like, oh, do you have to? Uh, he just wants me to be with him. Evie, our most shy kid, uh, you know, she'll be with me, beside me. Somebody will come up and say hi to her that uh, she doesn't know. Uh, and she, like clings to me as tight as those pants are clinging to my son. And so um, just to help bring comfort to her, she just needs to know that I'm there. Even though I am there, she just grabs my leg a little bit tighter uh, just to know that dad is with her. Zion, for his soccer games, he would always uh, peer out into the crowd uh, just to locate us, to see we were, if we were there. And he'd proceed to give us a wave. And then you could see just his countenance changed once he located us. And Malachi, our big tough boy, you know, he needs his mom. He shows an outgoing, confident appearance, you know, <laughs> and I'm not denying that. And so, but when he needed surgery or, you know what, he goes away for a weekend ball trip or even just heading to camp, uh, he's only calm when he knows we're there with him or we see him off or, you know, we're there for his games cheering him on. Presence is the most important uh, thing in this parent-children relationship. And that's the same with God. And throughout scripture, that is the whole point. And it starts with God with us, right at the beginning. Then we mess the relationship up. God, then he works with people so he can be with us again. He still wants to be with us. And he shows, though, we can't fix it on our own. And so God promises to send someone to fix it. Not just someone, but God in human form. And he comes in our form to be with us. That's how much he longs to be with us to fix what is broken, that he, God, comes down to be with us in our form. Because that's what he wants. He wants to, God with us. And these three simple words have this explosive power to change everything. God with us. So we're going to look at each of these words. We're going to begin with us. Listen, us is a complicated thing. 
especially, and you know how I know this? My wife tells me this. <laughs> so, Jeremy, you're complicated. You know why she tells me this? Because when she asks me for my Christmas list, it's usually with some hums and some haws, and she's like, oh, just tell me what you want. But we're a complicated species. We are capable of profound acts of love and connection. We can be a source of goodness and beauty. At the same time, we are just as capable as maybe acts of pain and destruction. We can be Mother Teresa, and then we can bring some, some pain, some terror at some moments. Listen to how this, the French, math, French mathematician and philosopher Blaise Pascal described us. He says, what kind of freak is man? What a novelty he is, how absurd he is, how chaotic and what a mass of contradictions. And yet what a prodigy. He is judge of all things, yet a feeble worm. He is a repository of truth and yet sinks into such doubt and error. He is the glory and the scum of the universe. And that's like, whoa, this seems hard. Glory and scum. But in 2023, we see some terrible things that happen at the hands of people. Think about all the wars that have been happening over the, even just the last two years. Us is complicated. We are capable of tremendous highs of pleasure and satisfaction and we sink into terribly low valleys of suffering, sorrow, and delusionment. C.S. Lewis, he made this observation about our, our humanity. He said, we are creatures of desire, and for every desire, we find a corresponding object of our desire. We experience hunger. My oldest teenager currently lives in a constant state of acute hunger. He experience, we experience hunger, and we have food which satisfies our hunger with the supplies of our body's needs. We experience thirst and we have fluids for our body. We experience sexual desire and we have in one another the object of our satisfaction. Our desires seem to be almost programmed into us to lead us to things we need for survival. But then there's this desire underneath, these desires that seem to be different. And Lewis, he describes that desire as joy. We are looking for happiness that will not end that cannot be interrupted by pain or disappointment. We long for this permanent joy us. What's different about this desire for joy is that we never seem to find that fulfillment. Our highest moments are just that, they're moments, they don't last. And again, Lewis describes it as an absence of fulfillment, a deep-seated longing and an awareness of one's lack, the realization of incomplete, excuse me, incompleteness. At times, it manifests itself as a tantalizing, fleeting flood of euphoria. At other times, it comes as a hollow, painful pang of loss. In either case, joy is characterized by its elusive, unpredictable, consistently inconsistent nature. It would never surfaces on command often when one least expects it. Everyone is pursuing this joy, looking for it, but they never seem to find it. It seems to be fleeting at moments. Someone said it this way, all my life, my heart has yearned for a thing I cannot name. What does this desire for joy, this unnameable yearning in our hearts tell us? Lewis reasoned, if I find in myself a desire nothing in this world can satisfy, the most logical conclusion is I was made for something beyond this world, beyond us. And Matthew 1, 23 offers us the name of that yearning that we're all looking for. And he is God. 
Now, God is different than us. God is complex, but not complicated. He is consistent. He is whole. He is holy, good, and right, and true. He is the source of all life and beauty. He is our source. He is the only thing weighty enough, consistent enough to satisfy our deepest desires. He is the only thing permanent enough to provide deep joy. But how do we have access to this joy? That's the question. How do we have access to this joy now? That's the problem, isn't it? How can flawed, complicated creatures like you and I have access to the perfect glory of the eternal God? How can we have access to it? The Bible gives such a profound explanation for our experience. We had had this access to God. We once walked with him in this perfect communion, in perfect peace, but in one terrible, terrible moment, we turned from him in violation of his created order, and we began to look for things in this world to base our life on. My teacher said this, all that we call human history, money, poverty, ambition, war, prostitution, classes, empire, slavery, is the long, terrible story of man trying to find something other than God which will make them happy. This is our predicament. This is what I felt as a teen. Felt a hole in my life. I felt distant from everything, you know, that I was created to be. Something was missing inside of my life. But was it this Jesus that my parents always talked about? Should I give him a chance, even though I experienced maybe much pain within the walls of the church? See, we are created for a perfect world, programmed with a desire for true and lasting joy, and yet cut off and alienated from the only thing that can satisfy that desire. So there is God, and then there is us. God, everything that we need. Us, very complicated people. We're not the same. We feel distant. But the beauty is, is there's one more word. That word is with. God with us. How did this God how did he respond to our rebellion? How does a holy and just God respond to our sin and our adultery and our stubborn insistence on looking everywhere but him for life? Well, he enters our world to become one of us. He enters our world to experience our weakness. He enters our world to know our temptations and sorrows and limitations. He enters our world to fulfill all of our human potential and live the good and righteous life that we should have lived. He enters our world to take on his shoulders all the terror of our collective greed and pride and lust and our self-obsession. He enters our world to take on, of on, take of all that onto the cross so that he, so that it can receive the just judgment of God. He is now in our place. It's no longer God in us. He enters our world to create a bridge through which we can be restored to the source of all life. This is the beauty of God with us. Because of the life of Jesus now, we're not alone. Because of Jesus, our Emmanuel, God is with us. And the beauty is God is now with us in our loneliness. 
God is with us in our sorrow and our grief. God is with us in the midst of our worst fears. God is with us in the darkness when we cannot see or feel he is there. God is with us in moments of fierce temptation. God is with us in our worst moments of sin and failure. God is with us when everyone else abandons us. God is with us when the world seems to be spiraling out of control. God is with us when the storms are raging and the waves are crashing on our heads. God is with us when the thick darkness of depression descends upon our souls. God is with us in the mind-numbing monotony of daily routines. God is with us when the world promises happiness and it comes up very, very short. God is with us when the holidays come with the stabbing aches of sorrow and loss that we maybe have experienced. The beauty now, Jesus coming, is that God is with us. He's with us. Someday, Jesus, he'll come again, and we'll see God with us with our own eyes. Revelation 21.3 says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. These three words, when I discovered these three words, God with us, it changes everything. It named my longing. It gave meaning to my sorrow. It gave hope to my desire. It changes everything. God with us. That is an amazing thing. What kind of God would come to be with? Just like his people. Maybe you're learning these words for the first time. Maybe you've not crossed the bridge to God through Christ. So you can do that this morning. You can experience God with you. And for those of us who have known the joy of God with us, we sometimes drift away from that joy, don't we? We are prone to turn again to created things for our joy. Listen one more time to C.S. Lewis as we close. If none of my earthly pleasures satisfy my desire, oops, sorry. Nope. Me and Carlene are playing tag. And so... Uh, <laughs> If none of my earthly pleasures satisfy my desire, then probably earthly pleasures were never meant to satisfy it, but only to arouse it, to suggest the real thing. If that is so, I must take care, on the one hand, never to despise or to be unthankful for these earthly blessings. And on the other hand, never to mistake them for the something else of which they're only a kind of a carbon copy or an echo or a mirage. I must keep alive in myself the desire for my true country, which I shall not find till after death. I must never let it get snowed under or turned aside. I must make it the main object of life to press on to that country and to help others to do the same. See, the birth of Jesus is important because it shows that God wants to be with his people. He wants to be with you. He didn't leave us. In the world, when we broke everything, he promised to fix it. And throughout the Old Testament, he is pointing to the fix while humans are still trying to fix the world. And he points to a child to come. And this child wasn't just a child, but it was God coming to us in our own form to show us what it means to live. The birth of Jesus is this beautiful turning point in history. Actually, God becoming one of us the arrival of the king who will set everything right. Josh, why don't you come on up? Worship team. I promise this will be short. So, 
Jesus is the sign that God is keeping his promises, that he will deliver us from our greatest problem, that he's actually God with us, not against us. He's God with us. And so there's only one question. How do you or how will you respond? How will you respond to Jesus? For those who trust in God's sign, Jesus, he promises eternity with him. He promises he'll never leave you, never forsake you. He'll always be there for you, walking with you. He is God with us. And for those who haven't responded to Jesus and for those who know Jesus and somehow, you know, we continue to come up with our own solutions sometimes that end up becoming an even greater problem. Jesus, he's always here waiting for you. He's here wanting to be with you. That's the beauty. That's the part of the everlasting father there for his kids. Let's stand together. We're going to sing our last song together. And at that, um, you know, I'm here up at the front. I would love to pray with you. For those who maybe have never made that confession, acknowledging Jesus as your Lord, who want to recognize, listen, he's here. He loves you. He wants to have a relationship with you. He longs to be right beside you. You know what the beauty is, and we'll see this as we continue through into next week, is that he's always pursuing you. He's always pursuing you. We'd love to pray with you. For those who are struggling, even just in the space of, you know what, I feel distant from him. I don't feel like he's there. I don't feel like he's near. You know what, we want to pray for you there too. For you to know that he's with you to experience his presence, to experience the power of Christ. So we're going to pray, and then we're going to lead us in the last song. And if you feel so inclined, we'd love for to pray with you. Father, we thank you that you are with us. God with us. What a beautiful three words. There's you, there's us. Lord, it's not just God in us. And then with that statement, we recognize that, man, we are very much not like you. It feels distant. It feels it's far away. And it feels like there's pain. It feels like you don't care. But the beauty of Jesus, this baby that came, Emmanuel, simply means God with us should bring comfort and warmth to us. I should recognize and make us think, why would God come to our broken, feeble form? Why would he do that? Why would he do that? Because he loves us. He desires to be with us. Even when we chose not to, he still desires to. He still wants to belong, to be beside us, to walk with us, to do anything he can so there isn't a chasm between the relationship. So as we walk this earth, as we go through life, as we experience pain, as we wrestle with, you know, what feels like suffering, depression, and the things of this world that feel hurtful. Beauty is God 
says, come and draw close to me. I'm here for you. I'll comfort you. I'll speak to you. I long to, to, to be with you. And that's a taste then of it, what will eternity be like with him. It reminds us that we have relationship even after this time here on earth. So Father, we worship you. We thank you that you are with us. Emmanuel. In your name we pray. Amen.